Hi, Roger. How are Hi. you? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to our newest episode of the Fashion Clinic podcast. Today, we're going to be interviewing Roger Loaiza, who is a very talented Peruvian designer. Um, actually, you're much more than a designer. Tell us a bit more about yourself, <laughs> your experience, what you do. Well, thank you for having me, Ali. I, lo I love this, this opportunity to chat about my work. Um, what do I do? I'm, I'm mainly a designer. I have done other things because I, I, I do like to explore other creative parts of, uh, of life, I guess. So I've done some art direction sometimes and styling projects and stuff of the sort. But my, my core and what really inspires me and what gives me the most satisfaction and happiness is, is designing and creating collections. Um, that I was talking to a friend yesterday that works in advertising. I was telling him how I was like, I was telling a bit before I was thinking about my following collection and I already thought about how I would want to present it, even though it's sort of like a conflict with the actual concept of the collection. And that's what makes me think that one of the aspects I like the most about my job is storytelling. And I think that's a really important part of every collection of mine. I try to tell a story through it. I try to make a point regarding, uh, any topic of interest that I mean, like I might be interested at the moment or, or some issue that I'm concerned about. Um, but I, I think that is probably something that's a constant throughout my work. Absolutely. I mean, I'm very familiar with your work and, I, and one of the things I admire the most is basically how everything is so conceptualized and how it's so clear through communication, through vision, everything. It's, it, you have a very coherent um idea usually of what you want to portray and i love that i i think that's that's probably a, a uh, something you will find in anyone any sort of like art discipline or design discipline where you have uh uh i can hear my dog here you can have a um what do you call it like a a very solid concept it's sort of like a matrix for everything else to develop so once you create that everything else like just like spreads out from it you know the clothes the styling uh what the accessories are going to be like um what's the campaign going to be like uh what's the music for the show going to be like lots and lots of things just come out from creating that and i think that probably applies like i was saying for any other like designer art discipline like if you're a graphic designer and you're creating the identity for a brand you need to kind of, kind of like uh have that really really clear and then like maybe like your color palette will spread from that if you're an architect and you're designing a space, maybe your choice of materials will also depend on how uh, well conceptualized you, your project is. So to me, in my, the way I work, I know designers work in many different ways. To me, that really helps a lot. So when that's not clear, or when that takes a lot more time to, to process, it's usually when I have a harder time because then I start doubting things. Um, uh, throughout throughout the, the creation of the collection. It is also something that uh, may work um, against you sometimes. Cause like, if you want to stay this like close to like a, a storyline or, or like a script for a collection, mm -hmm. sometimes you may not allow yourself to go a bit off the grid, you know, creatively. And maybe you're missing the chance to use uh, some, idea that might might come up in the moment that could really go well or add that little touch of something that will sort of like shake the whole collection a bit i know i'm making myself clear oh, yeah. but i mean i i, I allow that to happen still 
but I think it's good to also allow it to to go uh to happen in a, in a more free way sometimes. Mm -hmm. So having like like a specific point, but also allowing for some creative flow yes. within the yeah. process. Definitely, definitely, yeah. So tell us a bit more about your work as a designer. Like how how have you developed as a designer throughout these past years that you've been working? Um, I, I usually have two collections a year, um, uh, ready to wear collections. And then something that's really popular here in Peru is uh, made to measure clothing. So I have a lot of clients, like private clients, that will come for custom made ideas or custom made dresses that sometimes, or like I make menswear as well, but this last collection was only women's wear. Um, and for example, they will pick something from the collection and it will have to be adapted to them. Sometimes they want the exact same thing. I try to avoid that regarding my custom made pieces because I wouldn't want the same person with the same dress. So I do always want to for each piece to have a, a sort of different twist, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you have people that just come in for dresses for like parties or weddings when, when we had parties and uh, special events, I know. And, um, and they will come in just for just anything random for them. And that, that kind of work is completely different. For example, I, I do brides as well. But um, I do very few brides because it's very, for at least here in, in Lima, it's very difficult for a bride to come in and be completely, um, how do you say this? Uh, just give you like a lot of freedom to create whatever you have in mind for them. You know, they usually have a very set idea. So I am, I get along and I'm more successful, I think, in, in my work when the, the when the client gives me some sort of like, um, uh, I, a few ideas you know which i can work with and then create something of my own that will reflect her personality as well there is a lot of psychology in that part of my work like getting to know the client asking her or him several questions regarding uh taste and music and art uh activities they like to do uh how they met if they're getting married how they meet their, their husband or wife um things where i can draw ideas from and that maybe they might not show up in a very explicit way, but maybe the idea for uh, an embroidered or, or beaded detail will spur, like spring from that, you know? Mm -hmm. So all that information, all that collection, co collecting of information is kind of similar to the way I collect information for when I create a collection, mm -hmm. because I, I know I have an idea and then I start thinking about other things and then I, I do a lot of research. Research is, is, is basic, it's fundamental for the creation of anything, I think um so yeah th that's how my work kind of goes you know and and well i was going to go into a concept store a really new concept store that a friend of mine opened this is the second time i was going to go into it because i was going to go in last year but then the pandemic happened and now i was going to go again about a month ago but then we got a second lockdown here in Peru. so it's it's kind of difficult at the moment to know like what i'm going to do i mean i want to go into it for example but it's it's difficult regarding like is does it make any sense to go now at the end of summer should i go with a new winter collection like where do i stand what the and also try like guessing what the mood uh of the people here is going to be you know so it's it's kind of an interesting moment because i think um you, you just have to like guess and 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 sort of like do a little trial and error and then again um at the same time i i think that like uh, the most successful uh, creations or collections come when you really stay true to yourself and are not that dependent on the public. I mean, I'm taking it in, into account, 
because our lifestyles have changed definitely, you know. Mm -hmm. um, people are buying more top parts than bottoms because they're always on Zoom meetings, for example. Um, they're not going out as much, so they won't be wearing that much like evening wear or, or stuff that's like very flashy or, or like um, beaded, et cetera, you know. So that is the information I will take in, but then the rest is is like what my mood is, you know, because it's like, what what do I have to say that sets me apart from the rest of the designers here? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that, it's really interesting. I really enjoyed what you said about the difference between your work when you work directly with a customer or when you work for like creating a collection that you're going to sell. Yes, it's, it's very different customer in mind a specific customer in mind and I really like what you said about like the psychology behind it because there is so much psychology when you're working so closely with a person and and especially when you're creating something as as personal as a wedding dress for example exactly because like many times like uh the brides can come in with a, with a very fixed idea that you know you can immediately know it won't be flattering for them for example yet they have this idea because they have the idea that this is what a bride should look like and maybe they haven't thought of other possibilities or things that will work well with them you know mm -hmm. and those are the most rewarding experiences actually when they just like actually shift and they it's it, this is going to sound really really cheesy but they learn a bit more about themselves through the process as well you know because they, they they're like i never thought this was me but then they they relate they identify and that's really really nice yeah absolutely so tell us about your latest collection my latest collection has been probably one of the ones, it's funny how they say how you like your latest collection the most every time, um, but it had been a while since I was this excited about a collection. Um, it, it was it was very uh, fun to make. I had the, the idea in my mind um, last year when the pandemic started, but I didn't get to work until later on because I procrastinated a lot. I went to baking and doing a lot of things that I shouldn't have done <laughs> so i shouldn't have like i wouldn't have like gained any weight for example but i caught up with work because i had a show it was like a virtual fashion show together with other designers here in lima for november of last year so once you have a date you know you need to work for it and and there is no way out um it's funny because like i was i was listening to a podcast about procrastinators in general and i relate that i work under pressure a lot better you know so there is a positive aspect to it not always but there is a positive aspect to it um and things just start getting done somehow I don't, I don't know how it works my idea for the collection like to explain like the concept the first part was escapism it was a, a an idea that i had because I, I i everybody i talked to they were like i can't wait till this is over so i can travel and go away and just like get away from all this mess i can't uh, stand the idea of being trapped etc so that was a, an idea that was in the air i always try to tap into the zeitgeist somehow like not on purpose, but it's like, I, I, I wanna get the feeling of the moment somehow. Um, so that was a starting point. Uh, I also related this to something that I think has happened in fashion before. For example, after 9-11, I feel many collections also dealt with the subject of escapism in very different ways. If you analyze different collections, you have, for example, there's just a little bit like Prada, for example, came up with that really, uh, like the pajama trend, like really strong, like they were one of the first. So I imagine the person that did not want to deal with reality and wanted to stay at home in bed and not deal with it. On the other hand, you had Louis Vuitton with uh, Marc Jacobs and did this fairy tale collections with like uh, toads for, for purses, very inspired in like uh, like uh, Snow White and Alice in Wonders, like escapism into fantasy and getting away from reality. So I think it is something that happens 
especially after some sort of like tragic moment or something that shakes us up a bit. So that I knew I wanted to work with that, especially because I was living with it and hearing it all the time. On the other hand, my dad passed away last year in May. And this was something, my relationship with my dad was not one that was like perfect at all. Um, so it was uh, funny how much I had, uh, how much of him, this is like getting very personal, but how much of him I had neglected like within myself. And after he passed away, I started recognizing all these traits that I had. So that was, he was more present. And the fact that he was more present reminded me of a song he would sing all the time called Hawaii Bombay or Hawaii Bombay, that's in English, but in, in Spanish it rhymes. It's a song by a Spanish group called Mecano, which says uh, Hawaii Bombay are two types of paradises, which to my dad seems so absurd. He would always sing it, not because he liked the song, but just because he, was, he thought it was such an absurd chorus, okay? So it's something he probably would say every single day of his life. So I was thinking of escapism. I was thinking of my dad. I found a, an old Hawaiian shirt of his, and I was like, okay, Hawaii is coming into the picture somehow. Maybe the character of my collection is trying to leave Peru and go to Hawaii and escape everything and go to the beach in a very frivolous attitude to say so, okay? So that's how it start, started. I, start, I, I, I knew that was the, the, like the starting point of the collection, but I just didn't wanna be just another summer resorty kind of collection. I always want some sort of conclusion or some sort of like input on my behalf. Uh, not, when I did the heartbreak collection, remember? Yes. Like a few years ago, I just didn't want it to be about heartbreak. I wanted it to be about heartbreak and how you recover from heartbreak, you know? Otherwise it would have been a bit too, easy, repetitive, etc. So the character of my collection leaves Peru, goes to Hawaii into this fantasy, like this fabulous like resort and like beach and the sun and sunset, etc. But then once she's there, she finds she she comes face to face with a volcano. This is on my mind, okay? So once she faces a volcano, she realizes that she can't just really escape problems just like that, but that she needs to face them. And a volcano to me is a metaphor for both destruction and uh, rebirth. So this comes to play an important role in, in my collection because I feel that sometimes good things come from when we're like under a lot of pressure and they're under a lot of heat. You know, diamonds actually get expelled into, into um, to the earth from through volcanoes. Mm -hmm. So this is an interesting aspect to, to, to explore as well. That's like the main concept. It sounds very conceptual. I think that was one of the challenges I faced. The fact that it was so conceptual and that it, uh, it had a lot of potential for more conceptual kind of clothing, you know, but then I needed to sell this. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to make this into very wearable things for people now. So it was an interesting exercise to actually explore the concept and then at, at the same time make, make things that are wearable, but that would allow people to fantasize. Because I think people were actually, it was all cool with sweatpants and like loungewear, whatever you want. But I think that uh, that was just for a period of time. People want to go into other kinds of clothing now, you know, comfy stuff and things that are practical, but something that will make you feel good. And fashion has that power. So that's how my collection started to develop. I realized there were things that needed to be very like easy to wear or that would have multiple functions or um, that, that would actually um, allow you to, to be a part of the story, but not in an explicit way. So then I, I worked out with a lot of prints for the first time. Um, I've done prints before, but this is the first time that I actually went into it like with a lot of ideas. So because my character is trying to escape one, and because my dad passed away, one of the topics was how much, how much we take for granted 
and how many things we overlook sometimes just because they're near us. And this came to me because a lot of people started traveling within Peru because they were not allowed to leave the country. So I was like, okay, let's take this idea and make it into a print. So I thought of Paracas, which is down south of Lima, you know, it's a beach resort for those who've never been here. And then I thought of uh, Gopta Waterfalls. And I was like, these are two places, one that I like and I, and I go to often, Paracas, and Gopta is a place I've never been to. So I worked that into the prints and created a more of a surreal idea of this, of this uh, travel spot. Like I added a volcano in Paracas, there's no, there no volcanoes in Paracas. I added some crystals as well, as if the places were trying to entice us to go visit them, like getting like all like embellished or something to get us to go see them. So that was part of the idea. And then also because I feel that we've actually come to use technology in a positive way. One of the positive outcomes of the pandemic is that we're actually using uh, social media and, and apps like these to communicate. Before we probably use them to distract each other, like ourselves, while we were like actually interacting in real life. You know, you'd be having lunch or dinner with somebody, and you're on your phone. And now we actually learn to use it in a positive way. So I was thinking how vital social media has been now to keep us connected and to be able to tell what we were going through. We were sad, happy, traveling in our house, baking, whatever. And then I thought, how is it that we actually told these stories before social media? So I was reminded, I'm, I'm 40, I was born in 1980. I was reminded of uh, slides and how you would get your family together before and get your, your slides on this like reel or whatever you call it and project these images on the wall to share your latest trip. And that naturally took me to the Viewmaster, this little toy that I used to have and I think a lot of people had because it's actually from the 50s, I think, but I got it in the 80s. And how you would be able to tr travel through these reels, which coincidentally, that's what, what reels are called in Instagram now. Yeah. Um, and go into movie sets or into different travel destinations, et cetera. So I knew I wanted that because I always have an element of nostalgia in my collections. And I knew I wanted that. It was something that, that that's really, uh, I, I have a strong feeling for it. It evokes many, many memories. So what I did was use that as a print, but to make it my own, I inserted the other two prints in the little squares where you would see the images. So it was a really nice result. A lot of people actually related to it, which is nice. Um, there is a lot of other aspects uh, regarding the collection, like I, when I did my research, because I was thinking of my dad and Hawaii and traveling, I started looking for artists that he liked that had been traveling to Hawaii, for example. This was like a random idea. He loved Natalie Wood, okay, and he actually got the chance to see her um, once in, in Hollywood, like while she was filming a movie, he got invited to the set or something, it was something he really cherished, a memory he cherished. So I was like, okay, let's look for Natalie Wood vacationing in Hawaii. And I got some silhouettes from there and the idea that I wanted some knitwear as well. Um, I tried to make the knitwear with uh, this, this new uh, thread that has come uh, at Itesa, this, this factory here, that makes this cotton with recycled polyester. That was the, the ideal uh, fiber for me. Mm -hmm. However, the colors did not work with the collection. And unfortunately, I had to let go of that idea. Um, because sustainability and doing things that are uh, friendly with the environment is important to me. You know me, but like, I mean, I've, I've been a vegetarian for over 28 years. I've been a vegan now for two years. The environment concerns me in general. And, and, and I- like in your work, absolutely. It, it's, it's there somehow. I've never done any leather, any furs, nothing that involves animal skins in general. I'm trying to move away from animal fibers, which I succeeded in doing in this uh, season because summers, it's a lot easier to do it in summer. Um, I don't know how winter is going to work out regarding that. Um, so th there's there's a lot of other aspects. I, I don't know which what what else you want me to tell you about about the collection. Um, 
but but it was it was a it was a very it was a very fun story to tell and i i'm really happy with the results yeah definitely i i mean it's 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 very clear it's everything you're saying is it's, it's coming to life now that i've seen the campaign i've seen the pictures and i'm definitely going to share mm -hmm. those on on our, on our social media so don't worry so amazing chance to to look at them um, yeah so they understand but now that we are talking about materials, that was really interesting. Um, how do you source your materials in Peru? Or um, is, it, is it challenging, like how you were saying, is it challenging when you can't really, when you're limited by a color palette, for example? Uh-huh, uh-huh. How do you handle those challenges? That has happened to me before, for example, regarding color palettes. I remember back in like 2008, I did a collection inspired by She-Ra, the, the comic, the, the cartoon from the 80s. It was like a parallel between Shira and and power dressing of the 80s. That was that was the theme for the collection, and I was invited to present a collection in Paris uh, to promote alpaca, for example. And because it was 80s and Shira and etc., I wanted fuchsia, I wanted purple and bright colors that were not available for me at all, especially in the amounts I required. So if I wanted to actually get this this fabric and that that specific color, I would have to dye hundreds of meters in order to get things done, which is not a reality for my audience here in, in, in Peru. Um, so this time, the fact that I created the prints actually uh, gave me a lot more freedom somehow because I was allowed to work with different methods of printing. Um, and one of them is digital printing, which is the first time I've ever done that, which works on natural fibers, specifically on 100% cotton fabrics. So it was really, I was really happy to create something of my own. There's a different, I guess it's like when you when you create a fabric from the thread, from, from the fiber, it was a similar, similar feeling because it was something authentic in mine. It's not like I was actually taking somebody else's like ready-made creation and then making it mine. This was like mine from the beginning. It's, it, it's like, it has like your trademark somehow. So um, digital printing, the advantage of it is that it doesn't create a lot of residue or any residue like no dyes will go into the water because it's not a traditional kind of printing. Um, and there's no like, uh, it's probably one of the most eco-friendly methods to create, to print fabrics. So that was really nice. Um, I was happy that I actually found a, a factory that managed to uh, work with the quantities I required because that's also a challenge. A challenge yeah. um, and then regarding knitwear, I work with, with, a, with a, I've been working with the same person that knits for me for a while now, for over 10 years. And he has like a small group of people that work with him. So that's always been interesting and, and good. And I'm happy to be able to work with him, especially now that because of the pandemic, a lot of people like actually were out of out of work in general. So that, that was good. And then um, I wanted to involve this like sort of like recycling, reusing idea within the collection. But I, I was not able to use the, the thread that I told you about. But then I was like, maybe there are other ways. So um, I had worked with a group of artisans from the jungle last year for some hats that I made and some accessories. And I wanted to work with them again through a friend of mine. She's created this brand called Jane Artisans because she's like, as in Jane of the jungle. Um, and because she's a feminist and she's always thought it's like, uh, like women have to explain to men, like you Tarzan, me Jane, like that. She always, she's always has this really condescending attitude, which I think is really hilarious. But the thing is that, um, she works with artisans from all parts of the jungle with like really, really remote areas, places that actually take about like two days to travel to get to. Um, and she's the real deal because she studied fashion design with me. She's a bit older than I am. Um, and she's an anthropologist and she has an MBA. 
So she knows how to communicate with awesome. these people um, because they're a completely different, a completely different kind of uh, like uh, lifestyle and beliefs, et cetera, you know? And then she also helps them uh, realize how to put a price on their products, okay? Which is really, really important. So these people actually make progress and are not just stuck like, like forever in, in poverty or, or you know, or making, make no progress whatsoever, which is what always happens with brands and designers that say that work with artisans or whatever, and they still get paid nothing, you know? And she guarantees that that, that doesn't happen. So I was happy to work with her again. And I was thinking, I need some shoes for this collection. This person that's traveling, this is why, why I was explaining how important the matrix for the concept is. I was like, this person is traveling. She's going to this place where there's volcanoes. So she, there's no way she's like in stilettos, but she's not in flats either. She's fantasizing about the strip. So I realized I needed some sort of like platform that would work, you know? Especially because I didn't want my models at the show that I was gonna have in November to look much shorter than the rest of the designers. Um, so I, I made this sandal, it's like a, a platform sandal, which the, the platform per se is like very, very trendy. Now it's probably the trendiest aspect I have with it or item I have with the collection that reminds me of 90s utilitarian fashion, mm -hmm. um, like Prada and like the, and the you know, the, the backpacks that just had like one little strap in the front and like the very, like all these pockets and things. It, and the shoes were very much like this as well. So I knew that kind of like symbolized our current like lifetime or like lifespan and, and the use of technology, et cetera. So I needed something that would make up for it and actually uh, create, a, yet again, another metaphor for how I believe we need to work. I mean, we need, we need to take the advantages of technology and what we've learned in science, et cetera, but we need to acknowledge and respect all our heritage all our artisanship, especially in countries like Peru, and blend these things together. So the straps for the sandals were uh, hand-woven, vegetable fiber, hand-dyed also by these women in the jungle. So that takes a while to get here, you know, because it because they work in a sustainable manner, they grow their own crops, um, they have to wait till they can actually cut them down, then they have to wait for the correct weather for them to dry, so that they then they can dye them, dry again, and then weave them, you know? So it's, it's quite a process. Um, it looks very simple in the end when you see it's a strap and a collar, but there's a lot of, uh, of work behind it, you know? Um, so that was one thing that I did, and I, and I was happy to make a, an absolutely vegan shoe, which is something I've always had an issue with. Whenever I've had uh, other collections, usually I've worked with other designers that just do specialty shoes, and I've only once have I had the chance to have, like, vegan shoes. And this is, like, the second time, and the, the fact that they were made by myself or by my people or the people I worked with was, very, it was a great satisfaction. And then the other part of the accessories were the bags. These were, this, this is a really, really uh, like happy aspect again for me. Cause I was thinking about this, this character in the collection, how she travels and how important transformation is. She goes into this trip in Hawaii with a mindset of just like staying away from all trouble and avoiding everything that's uncomfortable. But she returns having learned that she must face these things and that she returns a transformed person. So one aspect of traveling that we all of us ignore is how much trash we create when we travel, I think. Like if you're having your little fabulous caipirinha in, in Rio de Janeiro and you have your plastic glass, you're just thinking about the fun time you're having, not the fact that you're probably going to be drinking six or seven of those. And that's going to be six or seven plastic glasses in the trash that you're creating just now. You and then the rest of thousands of people on the beach. So I had, I, I, I remember I had, 
I went to this restaurant called uh, La Balanza. I don't think we, you ever went there here in Lima. And they used to have placemats that were knit out of uh, single-use plastic bags. And I remember that. So I talked to my friend, who was one of the owners, uh, but he didn't know who made them. So then all he knew was that they were made in Lobitos in the north of Peru. So then I talked to Mariano Brecha, because I think you know him as a surfer and an adventure, sports kind of guy. And I was like, do you know anyone in Lobitos? And then he got me in touch with this other guy and this other guy with the guy that actually worked with these women. So that took a while. And we made some bags out of these, out of these recycled plastic bags. And the good thing is that a percentage of these bags were made actually from bags that were picked from the beaches. Oh. So I love how that came together, you know? And one idea that I have in the future that because this is distant and COVID and traveling is complicated right now, um, one idea that I have for the accessories is the fact that maybe you as a client can collect your single-use plastic bags for a month or two months, then give them to me, and I will knit your bag with your own trash, you know? I would love to do that. So that's, that's an idea. It, it, wouldn't that be nice, like, to actually feel that your trash is actually becoming useful? I mean, it's 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 a it's a double joy, I think. Once it's, once it's for me, and like, you're giving work to these women in, in, in Lobitos, and then you know that you just didn't just waste that plastic. It's something that you're gonna use again, probably for a very long time because the material is pretty resistant. Um, so, so that managed to work its way into the collection in a really, I mean, I had to work hard to get it done, um, but it, it, just, it just went with the collection. It just flowed somehow. And I was really happy because it was the point I wanted to, to make. Uh, and, and I think another aspect that I like about these things is that they don't have to be explicit. I don't like when artisan made things are explicitly like artisanal, you know, mm -hmm. uh, or recycle things are like obviously recycled. I like the fact that it's more of a camouflaged approach. Um, also because I just don't want I just don't want it to be the main aspect. I want you to appreciate the design, everything, and then know that this is a plus, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that idea that you just said about the plastic bags and, and like the customizable with your own trash, that yeah. is genius and you should definitely go for something like that. Yeah, send me your trash. And the thing is that all these these <laughs> send me your <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean I don't mean human trash. Um no, just send me <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> the, fun, the fun thing about these bags is that I had no say regarding the patterns. There was just very, like, this is like the women's input, you know, like what they wanted to do with the plastic bags, what, what like what their artistic nature told them to do, you know. You I would like to have- framework or like, did you tell them this is what our, our not, it was their- Nothing, their nothing, creative nothing. Input at all. Yes. Wow. That's their idea. I mean, I want more input and I knew, that's what I wanted initially. I wanted it to be like very my design because I'm a control freak when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. But because of the circumstances, because of the traveling restrictions, because of everything, I there was no way that I was gonna, it was I was either gonna have this or nothing. So in the end, I think it was something. It was a good, a positive outcome of this whole situation because it's it's more authentic somehow. You know, it's not it hasn't been commanded by me. The shape of the bag is mine. The other materials is mine, etc but it has a, a, a large portion of them in it. And I think that's important. Well, you've managed to create a collection that is that includes materials that are very, very diverse, very sustainable, and working mm -hmm. with, you work with people from different parts of the country. So that's very, yeah. very interesting and, and, and very valuable. Yes, I'm happy because I've like, I've, you know, I've lived abroad, I've been living in Peru for 20 years, 
and I I've never actually done anything that has done that has dealt with Peru, like like I've never worked a Peruvian theme for a collection. This is the closest I've ever been with my prints, for example, especially, and then how the rest of the things worked out. And you were we were talking about sourcing materials, and one thing that I mentioned in another in another interview a while ago, I was I I, I said that like all of us Peruvian designers or people that make clothes in Peru. Are, should be really grateful that we're stuck in this country because you have access to everything you need to make the items. You know, you have the fibers, you have the fabrics, you have the the the, the workshops, um, you have the artisans, you have everything to make it. And I think, regardless of what I make or or anything, a product made in Peru is probably a product that has very little carbon footprint. You know, because you just like it's all made here. So it's not like you had to import the fiber from wherever and then send it and have it woven somewhere else and then just, you know, so that is a huge benefit. And I think that is something that we need to enforce uh, in, in, in Peru and actually something that is giving Peruvian products uh, a great value. Regarding the artisans, for example, I have a lot of other designer friends that work with artisans. And you know how we've been talking about uh, uh, fair trade and all these issues. It's something that has been happening here for a while. Um, maybe it's not uh, out there in the news, but like I have friends that work with, with women that knit or that embroider in the Andes, and they've been working there for, with them for several years. And I, I had to actually give a speech on this at Bubble at, at, a, at a fair in London, like four years ago. Um, and I mentioned how because of this work, women have become the breadwinners of their families in many cases and how that changes how a family works within a very um uh male dominated country as peru is you know um it allows them to work all the time while they're watching their kids also because they get together and do this with their kids so it's really interesting how all this works you know and i think probably more proven designers need to involve them more like into their work yeah and definitely that's something that me you know i have a brand as well and yeah. we're we're slowly stepping towards we're working more it's not easy artisan. it's not easy it's not easy yeah it's, no it's, it's not easy and and, and, and there's a lot excuse me it should be easier because there's so much yes. talent and there's so much yeah. so much potential but it's, it's, there's a lot of um bureaucracy that stands in the way sometimes yes bureaucracy and also um people that are not transparent in between that might not get like maybe you think you're doing something really good by giving these people work and maybe the money is actually not getting to them as it should so yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of factors yeah. It, yeah that's that's complicated yeah it is absolutely but you've done an amazing job with this latest collection congratulations thank you absolutely thank you thank you so much absolutely thank you um, before we end, I just wanted to ask you, um, just as a Peruvian designer, give us your perspective on Peruvian fashion and how you see it developing within a more global framework, a more international market. Well, what I mentioned just now about being a product that's wholly made in one place, I think is something people will actually value a lot. Um, if there is more artisanal work involved, that is also something that customers worldwide are valuing a lot for, for a while now. Um, regarding design, I feel that now you can pinpoint like, or, or like actually 
um, differentiates different designers in Peru. Like you can tell this is this style, this is this guy's style. There, that is developing. It is something that still needs to develop a lot more because unfortunately, I think Peruvian culture is a culture that promotes um, blending in, in general, you know? It's not one, a culture that promotes individuality or exploring fashion in your own way. So the people that actually buy um, non-traditional Peruvian designer clothing is a very small group mm -hmm. and a group that wants to stand out or a group that values design. Um, so I think there is design in Peru. It just needs to be uh, probably um, advertise more uh, and understand how we work here as well. Um, like I said, the fact that we work with natural fibers in one place that our carbon footprint is very, very small. Uh, the way we've been working, I think it's funny because like, because everything, like for, in my own experience, for example, I always long to be able to keep up with the pace abroad, like, you know, like spring, summer, resort, uh, pre-fall, fall, et cetera. And I've never worked that way. I've only done two collections and the collections I make are sold immediately after they're presented. It's not like a season advance, like it's an, a, abroad in general. And you see that slowly the world is adapting to that in a way, you know? Some designers are showing uh, their collections and making their pieces available immediately, you know? Um, it's kind of slowing down. So I think that also works in our favor in the way we've been working now. Um, I just do feel um it just needs to be more advertised and and i guess that's it i guess that's it i mean i think there is i don't know if you can call it a peruvian style of design like you can maybe like identify in other places but there are individual voices now and i think customers around the world are interested in that they don't want to get the same product dress in milan they can get in new york they want to get something that's more unique or there's only four pieces made um it's also I think something that that not not pertaining particularly to the subject of Peru, but I feel that because we've been always we've been uh, educated, I guess, into instant gratification, and we want things immediately. We we want things made immediately, and we probably don't understand the process that there is behind, which uh, then takes a toll on designers or creative directors and brands in general. Um, people will understand the value of something that perhaps is not mass produced, uh, something that takes more time to make, something that you may actually have to wait to receive. I was at a conference here from some people uh, from Den Denim City, which is a school in Amsterdam, uh, sponsored or created by different, by the big names in denim that are trying to make up for all the environmental damage that the denim industry has done for all the years. So now they're trying to find alternatives. And one of the things they mentioned is a store, I think in Amsterdam, where you go, you try on the denim pad, the jeans, right? And you make an order and then you pick them up a week afterwards. So this way they control their stock and they don't have like leftover uh, items uh, after the season is over, you know? So it's less trash and less pollution. And I don't think it's gonna just change immediately, but I think people will understand that. So that might work with some designers that work here this way, you know, that make things just on order. Or like you have this much time to get on the waiting list for these items. Um, I just think we need more advertising to get more out there, uh, more PR efforts, perhaps. To the world. Yes, mean? yes, yes, to the, to the world, exactly, exactly. 
and I think some of uh, some of the designers here are doing their their, their job. Like Mosley uh, Matin, that have you seen her? Yeah, she's been she, working her stuff. She's been doing a lot of good PR work. Really well, yeah. Yeah. So so I think she was selling at Liberty for 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 a bit, like a, or like I, I think it was a pop up thing or something. I'm not sure. And um, yeah, just I think people are thirsty for new things. So if the design is concise and it's a well made product, they will. There's like why would you resist it? Yeah, and I think the world in general has like a greater interest in different cultures and things that are different nowadays, and we're so connected. So just, yes. and there's so many brands emerging from so many different countries, like, and for me as a client, I wanna get to know these brands instead of buying from yeah. the same old big retailers that I've been buying, you know? I think we're all growing exactly. evolving as customers and as, and as creators. Definitely. Because it's, it's funny, it's, but I think that has to deal also with our concept of luxury, for example, to begin with, how we've thought luxury is a certain thing and like a certain like tag and a certain price, et cetera. And we need to understand the, the luxury of something that is specially made for you, that takes a certain process, that respects the people that make it to begin with, you know? It's, it's we need to change our concepts regarding that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Raji. Is Thank there you. It's been very fun. Add or tell us. And then I like to add. Um, no, I. Uh, well, you're gonna show some pictures, I guess, and I understand. When you see the pictures of the campaign, um, one of the inspirations for the campaign was '90s videos like Blurs, uh, Girls and Boys, and Ace of Bases, Beautiful Life, because they reminded me of like the models are cut out like. In a, in a very disorderly manner on purpose on this background because it reminded me of the videos and also because I think it's our current reality with Zoom meetings, how we fake our backgrounds and we can fantasize about traveling or being somewhere else. So that's the whole point behind that. It's, it's so, so good. It, and it does have a very 90s feel to it. Now that, it does, now doesn't it? And, and, and the, song, the song for the video, Voyage Voyage, is one of my favorite songs from all my life. And the first, it's funny because I was listening to the song, it says Voyage Voyage, which is like travel, travel in, in French. And the first line, it says like, uh, like flying over all old volcanoes. So it was, it was great how it all fit together. I was very happy about that. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your knowledge, sharing your experience. It's been lovely to talk, talking to you and best of luck for, for what's coming. Uh, yeah, for all of us. Thank you, Ali. Thank you so much. I really enjoy. I love talking, as you can tell, and I've loved being able to share this with you and 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 your people. Um, so anytime, whenever you want, we can talk again. Okay, great, Ranji. Thank you. Bye. Bye.